Today I am pumped as I've reeled in a very good friend of mine for the chat whilst he is incredibly successful and is absolutely ripped. And no, we're not talking about Tommy Trout. He despises talking about himself, so the prospect of making him uncomfortable brings me utmost joy. He's also quite possibly the loudest person I've ever met. Welcoming to the You're Not Special podcast, the infamous Jay Lucky. Woo! Jay, will you be able to stay focused for the duration of this podcast? Absolutely not. Not a chance in hell. But the funniest <laughs> part about that intro is the moment you said the most ripped person on the planet, you, did you really actually have to say my name? Like everyone just True. went straight there. They knew. Everyone was like, I know, <laughs> I know that guy. They, yeah. they just Googled the name. They just, they yeah. just Googled the word Bruce Bipps man. <laughs> it was like The Rock. <laughs> Jay Lucky, those two were the two options. <laughs> you forgot to mention Humble in the intro. Yeah, I did, yeah. I did actually. Um, so I'm glad this is from the waist up. This is perfect for this. Uh, perfect. perfect. Um, Jay, for someone who hates talking about themselves and despises public speaking, how on earth did you get convinced to be a guest on this potty? You put so much effort into that intro that you sent me, and I was like, well, if she's put three minutes into this, who am I to deny her? I owe her this. <laughs> a whole three years of time. I, I did have a um, a New Year's resolution in 2020 to do more networking, more to learn to do more speaking and stuff for business-related purposes. And I think we all know how the 2020 networking may have panned out. So, yeah. Yeah. Less not, the, not the greatest year to have that as your New Year's resolution. So, Why did you pick that as a resolution? Uh, it's something that I need to do more of in – for what, where I want to move into uh, business-wise. So it's not my strong point. Even this, it causes me a large amount of anxiety and it's not my natural go-to. So uh, leaning into the fear and trying to be better from it. Vulnerability. Look at you, just such an evolved human being. <laughs> fear is just something we inspire in people, mate. Don't, don't worry about it. Is, 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 um, is like that social anxiety, is that part of ADHD or is that just an extra part well, of it? I don't know if it's for everyone, but it's definitely for me. And, um, you know, it's one of those things over the years, if it's my friends, my social group, no big deal. Um, but it, going out, like if I was going out to, a, you know, a restaurant or a club or a bar, it's always been very much a thing for me and, you know, self-medicating with alcohol so that it's, you know, drinking so that it goes away and then by the time it goes away drinking a lot more than you should suddenly becomes a good idea and that's not a good idea so anyone that's not from my friend's network could uh give you a story or two in regard to (laughs) it is interesting though because you are always the loudest man in the room so you would be the least likely candidate for social anxiety i think just from the outset but um we should we should understand that it's not always what meets the eye, is it? Yeah, it's also a lot of the time you would see me being that person. I'm probably in my comfort zone with it with with mm. all the circle. Where if it's into a new circle or a, a, a large group of people, like if I I've had to do a lot of networking stuff over the years, and I hate it. Like every time, it's like nails on a blackboard, and it's like trying to walk up and have an initial conversation, and that initial interaction has always been a real sticking point and I have to mm. physically talk myself through going and doing this because it, because it, it is a requirement of the purpose of being in these rooms and everything mm. like that. So it's definitely not, yeah, whether it 
anything I say, it, it's my personal experience. I can't talk for everyone else that has ADHD mm-hmm. or anything like that, but it's definitely something that I have struggled with a great deal over the years. If you don't mind me asking, what is it? Is it just a small talk and having to think of small talk as you go that's wigging you out and talking to people for the first time? I can talk in depth for as long as you want on an engaging subject that I'm interested in or have, but small talk is like pulling fingernails for me. I literally, I, I, I physically have to say to myself, don't show on your face how much you're disgusted being involved. <laughs> like, no, smile. Like, interact with them. Like, yeah, I'm enjoying this conversation. Like, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, live with someone. Like, please don't ask how my days. I, I really just don't want to talk about it. There'll be a recurring theme in the next sort of half hour of your distaste for humankind, I think. Um, oh, I really- everyone knows how much I love humans. So. <laughs> and and how much is that? I, that's only a developed, that's a learned skill through dealing with them on a face-to-face re- Customer service business, which I probably mm. never should have started. But anyway, that's uh, it's another story. And here we are. So take us back to life and school um, and what that was like growing up in sort of a smaller regional town for a kid with ADHD when ADHD wasn't really that recognised back then. The – it was obviously – I don't, I don't think I had self-awareness as a human until probably mid to late 20s, which is probably a learned skill only through um, having to manage other people's personalities. If you want to have a business, there's certain, you know, personal development you have to do and skills you require or you're not going to get far. As a child, I don't think I would say I almost had zero self-awareness. And so it's in reflection, it, it's hard to know the exact like uh, scenarios and 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 how I thought they were and, and everything like that, but it was it was always I just thought everything was normal. I knew I was different, um, especially once I was medicated. I'd get on the bus, and people would know instantly if I had had my medication that day or not because if I hadn't, I'd walk down the bus, I'm not in a uh, hurting people aggressive way, but I would hit everyone. I needed attention. I'd just, I'd be on fire. Where if I had had uh, Ritalin, I think it was dexamphetamine at a later date, I'd just walk down, take my seat, and just act like a normal functioning part of society. So uh, primary school, got kicked out of school, uh, first school, uh, primary school in year three. Uh, they did do like uh, assessments in regard to cognitive ability and intellect and stuff like that, and always scored off the charts for that. But just there was no self control. It was a thought came in my head, and that could be you know run to the front of the board and slam your head into it. And that was there was no should we do that? Should we should we really <laughs> do that? It was it was done before there was any thought of like. The scenario. It's, it's um it's funny when you talk about the self-awareness thing and normal where like as a kid you go through and everything's normal and then as an adult you become self-aware and you look back and you see the trail of destruction that you've had for the last like 20 years behind you and you're like, oh, I was either chaotic, I was annoying, I was dangerous to myself and others. But at the time you're like, this is normal, this is who I am. Like what you were asking about before in regard to the, the social anxiety and everything like that. So part of the what I do now with business, uh, you have to think of everything that can go wrong. So when you train your brain to think of everything that can go wrong and you've already got anxiety, that's not the greatest thing for your brain. But you're seeing everything going wrong all the time. But 
as a child, I never had that skill at all. There was no, there was no filter of what if I do this, what could happen. There was, I, that wasn't even on the radar. It was just do. I'm guessing that's like kids in general, but I'm guessing with ADHD, it's on steroids, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and you wouldn't have had, you know, occupational therapists and behaviour specialists available to you growing up, right? That wouldn't have been necessarily a part of your weekly routine. Uh, no OCs. I, we did have a, a pediatrician who was obviously ADHD, who I, I don't know if he's still practising in Port Macquarie, but, um, yeah, he, he he was the one that diagnosed me and medicated and all the rest of it. So I don't... I knew there was a very much an ongoing, not for the word treatment, but management of my behaviour. It was <laughs> everyone was involved in trying to keep keep the rails <laughs> heading in a certain direction. But um, so, sorry, go on. Uh, and, and that that was my childhood. It was constant trying to manage and getting me to be self aware and, and just why why did you do that. That would probably be a question that I got asked so many times. But, and then the second, it used to be a joke at Warho Pie that Jay Lucky did the deputy's office just because it was said every single day. It was like it was people would walk around saying that phrase as a joke because it was said so often over the PA. So you could set your watch to it. Just Yeah, yeah. So you've talked a little bit about Ritalin. Um, what role does that play in your life now as an adult? None. So I don't have anything, I don't have any medication now. I went back when I went to do, went to study when I was 20, 20, 19 or 20. Uh, went to see uh, a psych to try to get back on it because I, I knew it would probably benefit me or I thought it would probably benefit me. I'd never done any study all through high school, uh, zero study. I didn't study anything. I'd just turn up, do the tests, get what was given and, and that was it. And um, I thought it would help. And so they told me, no, you've got to this stage in your life, you'll be fine. And then, um, yeah, so that was the last time. And as I think I've shared with you, only recently, uh, or nine months ago, I started the journey to go and maybe have a discussion again. It took nine months to get into an appointment and I got there last month. And so I would like, in uh, Erica's terms, a wanker goal is to go and get my helicopter licence and then buy one. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I have the personality to actually do this as yet, though, because I still get out of my car and leave it in drive. So yeah, not the most appropriate thing to do in a helicopter. So if my um, memory serves me, the reason you're re-exploring this is because you're saying that Ritalin for you could be a case of life or death in terms of flying an aircraft. Yeah, exactly. That's It would be life and death in, in this scenario. I wish I had that problem in life. I'm like, worried about crashing my helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm going to buy myself. Mm. Jackie Boy, also, you took Ritalin growing up. Yes, I did. Uh, quick question. Um, when, you be when you were a kid and you began taking Ritalin, were you a kid when you took it? Uh, I, I believe it was about year three or four, maybe, yeah, three or four. So what's that? I, I think I began taking it when I was in year two. I remember, yeah, you'd be I remember when I was a kid, um, I, they, they would try to get me to take it. And this was before I realized you could just put it at the back of your tongue and just take like a tip of water 
get over and done with. They tried everything under the book to try and get me to take it. Like they would put it in like a roller, which kind of caused me to no longer eat rollers because when you would eat it as a kid and you had that crunch of the tablet, it would be like... It was like trying to sedate a wild boar in a house like every and, and morning. I remember my mum would used to like try to uh, crush it up and try to put it like in his mouth and he's sleeping. Or, 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 or put it like peanut butter and toast and just try to get me to eat it. One time doing an ice cream like that desperate. Until my sister suggested just, you know, take it, take it with a glass of water. Did you have that kind of problems or were you just immediately... <laughs> oh, or, or did you just immediately realise, oh, just put it like back in tongue, take a sip of water, that's it? It's a funny story because now I can literally take a Panadol, a Nurofen, uh, Claritine, anything I need to take. I know it'll go quicker to what I want it to do if I just munch on it. So I just munch down any tablets. And most people find that very disturbing. So, <laughs> But, yeah, over the, over the years it was literally I also had the issue where I didn't take my Ritalin, so I'd go into school and not take it. And then uh, at a certain period of time I got accused of being a drug dealer. They brought me up to the high school office and what did I have? A bag full of Ritalin. Not that I was selling, that I just wasn't taking. So... From then on, I had to go up to the uh, deputy's office every day, besides the fact I would have been called up there anyway, and then stand in front of them. On your one of your many trips to the deputy's office. (laughs) (laughs) And you had to be supervised to take it. Yeah, so how how good does that make a child feel? Come up, take your medication to be normal in in front of us because we don't trust you, which is, I wouldn't have trusted me either, but anyway. It's not the point. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the point. I'm saying. I would do the same thing. I would take one in the morning before I went to school and then one at about like recess. I think it was either recess or beginning of lunch. I would go into the office, same thing, and take it. But it wasn't, be- but it wasn't because I, would, like, I thought, oh, God, I'm going to be trusted. But they were the ones who were administering it. I think mm, it was – I think we came to like – It was a bit looser, the medication rules back in the day. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, were yeah. you not taking your, it because you didn't – the way they had you where what you were doing was a much better idea than giving a kid that would run into a blackboard with his head, his medication to manage. Like, I think they really didn't think that through with me that well. well with, with you, though, was it because you forget to take it or because there were days when you didn't want to take it? Uh, to be honest, I can't recall, but I think it would be probably a combo of both. Like, yeah. I don't think I ever didn't all, like, yeah, I don't think I ever were like, I don't want to take this because of what it does to me or anything like that. I think it was one of the byproducts is obviously you basically, if you uh, do have ADHD, it's essentially, it's speed to someone that doesn't, but it dopes mm-hmm. out, you know, yeah. anyone that is diagnosed. Mm. And so it, it does create probably a, a problematic uh, behavioural pattern in regard to what could happen later in life by teaching kids to be stoned at, you know, yeah. nine years old or ten years old, um, etc. I, I used to work in residential drug rehabs, and most people on really hard drugs like methadone or whatever, they typically start on prescription medication. Um, a, lot of them, a lot of them have started really early on because it was for well, some of them, you know, and maybe families that aren't so great, they were sort of encouraged to take medication to fix things. Yeah, of course, of course, and, and that's mm-hmm. I could see it being a very slippery slope. And if the 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 adults, the the guardians, aren't aware of what what could be happening and what the programming you're actually putting in place for future. Mm. Mm. Quick question: when, How well? What year was it when you began taking uh, Ritalin? Uh, give or take, give or take, it'd probably be about 90, 1990, I'd say. Give or take. Oh. Yeah, I, I think I began taking mine in, I think, 
1995. I remember that era was like the era when people were talking about, like, you know, that's when Ridland really became more popular. Explosion. Yeah, probably about 92. I'm an 82 baby, so probably 10 years old, give or take. So 91, 92. Yeah, I think that, you know, talking about like how that's, talking about like the difference of like how he was given Ridland as opposed to I was, I think that's because they were like, you know, I think there was more kind of like uh, more understanding by the time I was taking it. And so mm. I think there was more like proper, proper like, you know, procedure in school. Mm. Yeah, the, the kids that ran into the blackboard paved the way for you. Yeah, exactly. Thank yeah. you, Dave. Right. <laughs> literally and metaphorically. You're Thank a pioneer. You. <laughs> oh, but you did. Um, obviously, we're all about health and fitness, and I'm keen to hear what role you think your ADHD plays in your training. You obviously love keeping fit. You don't mind pumping some weights. What role, if any, it plays in that? Uh, I can't. Uh, I, I, I start going to a, a, an unhealthy frame of mind if I go more than three days without training. So mm-hmm. I train uh, five, six days a week. Uh, I do it for mental health, uh, for stress, for, for every, everything why everyone should go and train, except for obviously being as ripped as I am. That's just a byproduct of <laughs> training like that. Good, James. And what though, when, when did you start and was it, did you start exercising because of ADHD or is it just something you wanted to do and you just found that it had benefits? Uh, no, I was always an active, hyperactive. I was always an active kid. So I was outdoors, bodyboarding, surfing, skating, uh, BMX. I could, you couldn't chain me to keep me inside. That's That was a punishment. But I never actively trained so you know training in the gym and everything wasn't so mainstream going going back 20 plus years and so I just my first serious job uh a guy there trained weights I class him as an amateur bodybuilder more more amateur than anything else but anyway um and just in uh, lunch breaks I was working 12 hours a day and so you're breaking that day up going to the gym and, and started then so that would be coming up on 20 years ago and just yeah it's just been part of the routine ever since so you obviously have um the ability to become quite hyper focused on things that you like and you completely can't engage in things that you don't like so in terms of your training would you say that you're you find it easy to get in the zone at the gym because it's something that you're interested in and you know how good it is for you or do you need um, a lot of pre-workout. How does it work for you in terms of getting you engaged? Don't get me pre-workout. That goes back to the programming of, of the changing your, your state early in the piece. Mm. So anything that changes my state, I still latch onto too much. So mm. stay away from the pre-workout. I do live on coffee, as you know. And then it mm. goes on the bench and wine jumps in. But getting back on the question, um, I, if I like... Uh, Metcons or group fitness so that I can just, you can't stop, you keep going the whole time. Or if I'm doing actual weights with myself, I will do a set and then I'm on my phone trying to stimulate my brain the entire time and get that dopamine hit. It's mm. I'm aware of my shortcomings, but I still, I still, yeah, constantly mm. need to be stimulating myself. Otherwise, I'm just, yeah. Well, there's healthier and unhealthier ways to get that hit, right? And if Jim's one of them, I think you're doing okay. Yeah, I know. That's what I say as well, so. So, obviously, we laugh about your ADHD and give you shit about it in terms of, you know, getting distracted by a bird when we're in the middle of a conversation or what have you. But to you, is it just a fun, trivial thing or does it actually hold much more meaning to you? Um, It uh, It's... 
Probably the only real time that it's it impacts me, it's or has more meaning is I've recently, as you know, had my first child, and my partner will be going out the door to go shopping or something like that. And I've said to her, when you walk out the door, grab me by the ears and say, the baby's down, it's going to be down for another 60 minutes or whatever, and make sure I'm paying attention to you. Don't say the baby's down, pay attention as you're walking out the door because I didn't hear you. I Come over, think you're being obnoxious, pinch me, make me look at you, tell me, and then I'm engaged and I've got it. Like If it's an important message, I need to hear it where I, I often just do not hear, hear things or quite the businessman, um, very successful. Do you think that it's actually played a really positive role in terms of your entrepreneurship and business skills? Absolutely, 100%. Mm. Like, uh, it's the old, if you try and grade a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you, it's always going to be. But um, in the business world, I, I thrive. Like it, I have to be like chopping from one thing to the next to the next to the next constantly and like that that drives other people to insanity where to me that's mm. that's my bread and butter don't make me focus on anything give me 50 things to get through in a day and let me just run at it so I absolutely this as soon as I started business that's when I really like found found myself because I could go and do what I want my own boss all these things have to be done per day go so mm. yeah I was still very much struggled when I had to report back to someone and be accountable for a given task that I had to focus on for a period of time. and Yeah, I hate being accountable. <laughs> and I, I hear you, though, because, like, you know, um, there's something I experienced as well when I started this business is that when, when you start your own business, you actually get to build it around how you like to work. 100%. You know I mean? So because yeah. I, I think a bit like you, I'm not great at, like, tailoring myself, like, mentally to fit other people in terms of how I like to work. Like sometimes I don't feel like working at midday and I'm really, really productive at 10 p.m. and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's, that's one thing I really do love about it. But, you know, a lot of people um, who have all these different kinds of needs and diagnosis, whatever, they always talk about there are hidden superpowers in all these things. And a lot of them I've spoken to around ADHD say hyper-focus can be a real gift because mm-hmm. sometimes I need to get something done and I just do it all night and I would knock it out of the park in one oh, yeah, big, yeah. big, hard go in a way that most people couldn't comprehend. I just, I, just, I just want headphones, go deep, focus, get something banged out when I'm actually interested in what it's going to achieve at the end of it and that kind of stuff. Uh, on Sunday, I had something that had been delayed, put on put on the headphones, sitting there with a laptop, and then my partner films me sitting there with the headphones on while she's feeding the baby going, this, this is father of the year. And I was like, I need to get this done. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. It's, 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 it's almost that. Uh, I think it's so. It's like there's an element of if it's on your to-do list and it's not done, it's like physical pain knowing that there's something to do and you're not – it's still there and you yeah, just I, want to just do it. You want to kill the enemy and just go. Yeah. Away. No, I'm very, very much that person. Also, I, I can't having anything stand, have anything there. So I want to get it done. And also, the hardest thing first for me, anyway. Like I like to attack mm-hmm. the hardest thing first because once that's off, everything else is easy. So that's a personal thing. But I'd, I'd love to know, though, um, and also bringing it to health and fitness as well is what advice? So there are people on ADHD who I think aren't exercising but would benefit from it. What advice would you give them or what tips would you give them to make exercise work? So exercise routine and the ADHD brain, what are some hacks that you could provide for others to maybe benefit from? It's funny because I've got a, um, 
a relative at the moment that we're going through who needs to exercise and doesn't exercise and we're trying to work out how to incentivize or get them involved. And probably the only thing we spoke about it and if, if someone doesn't enjoy the process that actually whatever that exercise or physical activity might be if they don't enjoy it they're it's going to be seen as a chore and then you're not going to get buy-in so it's probably finding what do they enjoy so whether it's just walking or can we move that into then jogging can then we move that into pick up those weights in between doing that jog and that like do they like riding a bike do they like swimming so you know, it's. I think it's very much just finding what you do enjoy and not trying mm. to swim against the tide. So you're trying to find that 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 crack that the ADHD brain is going to want and go back yeah. to and obsess with. Whether it's you know counting reps, whether it's time base, whether whatever it might be, the, the, the I think you can find something for everyone, whatever yeah. that looks like. So. Mm. Definitely. All right. So we know it's not ADHD. So Jay Lucky. What's your real disability? Tolerating people. <laughs> <laughs> so tolerating people that are uh, go on Instagram. Look at anyone that has over five thousand followers. That person. If it's all just photos of themselves, I just can't stand people that are self-centered. That put themselves first. Like worry about everyone else. You know, it's it's. I think we've just created a very, very shallow world in recent times where it's everyone's looking at what they can do for themselves and what everyone can do for them. And uh, those, my, my tolerance for them would definitely be uh, my weakness, my, my, my disability. <laughs> you, knowing you the way that I do, you have really toned down how you genuinely feel about that, which... Do you want to be politically correct on a certain level? So is that your involved opinion? It's usually, <laughs> could could we say aggressive? Could we say that you're somewhat aggressive in your views? Um, and so trying to give you content that can be shared on platforms with the minimal <laughs> amount of language that I'd usually use. But but how you usually present is very entertaining to me. It's <laughs> one of my seeing your rants on Instagram and your screen grabs that you send me, they they really bring me great joy and entertainment in my day. I actually had to go back and edit. I think I told you I had to go back and edit all of my replies to negative reviews because at some stage you'll be selling the business and some of my reviews could be interpreted as not being very appropriate. So so because Jay has um, struggles with some coping and tolerance skills and because he, one could say he has some poor impulse control, he feels the need to reply to every negative review in the most entertaining um, but some of them make me uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie because I'm such a people pleaser. Um, the way that you just go in, go in for the jugular really makes me uncomfortable. But I, en- but I really envy your ability to just be like, nah, not, not having this. I, I know that there's another me out there somewhere and I'm writing the, re- the reply to the re- review just at the hope that the other me out there somewhere reads it and goes, yes. Legend. Yes. <laughs> It's very childish, but I know that out of the 8 billion people, I know someone will read my review replies and get the same kicks I do out about writing them. I am absolutely looking at these reviews. Well, now I know that you've you can't. Done. They're all gone. I'll send you through some uh, old replies. We took some screenshots so that they were saved. But 
I, I find it impossible to in any way condemn that sort of pettiness because it's one something I relate to so strongly. And yeah, I I love it too much. I'm going to show these guys some of the screen grabs you sent me and I think my world just ended. Now I know that there's going to be no fresh content coming through, but you'll find some other way to anger people. Well, what happens when you write back to a review, Google takes your reply and sends it to the person. And so they get this reply, you know, telling them they're an hat and other creative stuff. But I update it so that when they click it, it's really polite. So that's my, I, I get off on that now. So oh, they so get an email saying something horrid. And then when they check, it's beautiful. So in my mind, I still won. One, one, one thing I used to do is I used to do um, really, I used to do Facebook posts and I'd post something either inspirational or lovely or really pleasant and everybody would then write these comments like, oh, that's amazing or good for you. And then I would change my original post to something terrible so that the comments are still there. So it's sort of like I hate everybody and it's like good for you, inspirational. I feel the same way. Yeah, that. I haven't done that, but I wish I'd had that in the last <laughs> it's, it's not too late, Jay yeah. It's not, it's too, not too late. Go back. Go back. Uh, well, you obviously need to go buy, um, go helicopter shopping, so we should probably leave you to it. Uh, I need to get the, the licence first. The licence is the key. And also not killing myself in someone else's helicopter because if you're going to crash a helicopter, you definitely want to crash someone else's and not your own. Yes, if you have to die in a helicopter, you want to die in someone else's. It's one of the goals to have, like crash someone else's chopper. Another resolution. But I would admit, though, in your zombie apocalypse, you are a top-tier friend to have. <laughs> Yeah, if I can get that license, otherwise, uh, yeah. Otherwise, you're worth you're, nothing you're, to it. Yeah. Your Google pettiness is not worth Otherwise, I'll leave really horrible it. reviews for the zombies that are attacking yeah. us and you'll laugh and then get eaten, so it won't really help anyone. We really appreciate you pushing through those, um, you know, those that field of cortisol that you had about joining us today. We hope it's been less scary than what you thought. You've certainly um, entertained us. And Couldn't tell. No, no, that's right. We we remember, could just be at the pub. Start. You put on the you put on the mask and just go for it. So I am curious. Are you going to be watching him like a hawk to see if he has ADHD tendencies? Could you not give two hoots either way? Um, obviously, there's pros and cons in terms. Well, you know, Erica, you you more than anyone should know. You don't have to watch someone with ADHD like a hawk to know they've got it. Maybe a six month old baby. Meters away, and when they when they're trying to steal the neighbor's car, you know that you're in for a good time. Um, it, it is what it is. If if uh, if he has it, he, he has it. Uh, we drive down, we push him the pram down the street, and he's already like extremely looking oh, for stimulation. Yeah. But whether you know that's, I don't. This is my first kid. The other ones are sold on eBay, so I don't I don't know what uh, what they act like when you first have them. Thank you for your, your reviews for those kids. If you get the one star review for the kids you sold, <laughs> that, now that would be a good one. Um, we're so appreciative of your time. I know how busy you are. Thank you, and we will chat with you soon. Thank you, guys. So I self-assessed myself for ADD, knowing that I met a lot of the criteria and the results indicated that I was on the cusp. I must say that I think it has more of an impact on those around me than it does myself. Um, and there's probably other things that affect my life more than that, which we may talk through in future episodes. But I thought what I might do is just quickly touch base on what ADHD 
is. So it's one of the most common neurodevelopmental disorders, which means uh, we learnt that when we were talking about autism. It's all to do with the way that the brain develops. That's what neurodevelopmental means. Those with ADHD tend to have trouble paying attention, controlling impulsive behaviours, and they can tend to be overly active. That's where the H for hyperactivity comes into play. There are three different types. One is predominantly inattentive presentation. Two is predominantly hyperactive, impulsive presentation. And three is a combined presentation of the two. Are you able to self-diagnose yourself? No, I'm not. That just screams suddenly parking <laughs> rot if it ever happened. Well, not doing anything with it. It was more just about self-discovery. Um, but I have all the tools and just thought I'd fill out a little questionnaire and see. But as is the nature of ADHD, I could do that. Sorry, ADD it was for me. I could do the same test tomorrow and the results would be wildly different. I did something similar. I was doing an interview with a potential documentary maker and he asked me if he thought that I was also on the spectrum at the time and I thought ah there's no way and look over at Jack and Jack of course like eh, maybe <laughs> oh thanks Jack but then I went online and I did like you know the www.amelautistic.com or something like that you know did the did the test and it's like one such an inexact science if there ever mm, was one right mm. like it is all about how you feel in the day yeah but it, i was basically like on the car i was like one point away from being mm. autistic and i'm like Ooh. but you <laughs> have a big place you have also said before that you feel you may be autistic by virtue of the fact that you grew up in an autistic household and yeah. so you get used to black and white thinking and you know regimented things basically my dad mm. but it's interesting though like that happened and then I texted, like, a bunch of my friends a screenshot from the, like, your almost autistic screenshot. And all of them were like, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And like, mm. every single one of them was like, yeah, you obviously are. Mm. Like, but it's also hard to tell with my friends because they're just going to pick whatever, yep. whatever they think is the worst response. They're just going to go for that. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're here for. <laughs> So there you have it, You're Not Special's two-part series on ADHD. That was part one. Tomorrow we'll be joined by another incredible friend of mine named Elise for the next episode. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon. See you later. If you have any concerns or queries around anything that we discussed, please don't hesitate to reach out to the WeFlex team. To keep our lawyers happy, we would like to note that whilst we are talking about health, fitness and whatever random BS we stumble into, your health is ultimately your responsibility. Please seek out personalised health advice from people who actually know about these things. Seriously, if we are the only people you are listening to for health or life advice, you have much bigger problems. Please, for the love of God, don't ignore your medical professionals and listen to us instead. If this episode has been triggering for you, we strongly recommend contacting Lifeline on 13